we tell stories that engage, inspire, and have a lasting impact? How do we turn thoughts and ideas into effective and authentic storytelling? How can we use stories to make a difference in our work, lives, and communities? I'm your host, Camille DePutter, and together we'll explore what it means to tell stories with heart. Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling with Heart podcast. I am your host, Camille DePutter, and with me today is Donna Lishow. Donna is an executive coach, speaker, and author of the Amazon bestseller, The User's Journey, and her upcoming book, The Leader's Journey. Her mission is to help startup founders, tech executives, and senior leaders unlock their leadership potential so they can make a greater impact and a difference at work and in the world. Donna works with superheroes at companies like Adobe, Amazon, Disney, Google, Logitech, MailChimp, Twitter, and Trello, as well as a ton of nonprofits, startups, and scale-ups. And she has taught at technology and innovation programs at New York University, Northwestern University, Parsons School of Design, and the School of Visual Arts. Now, I first met Donna when she presented on the user's journey at a UX design conference, and I love the storytelling-based approach she takes in everything she does, including in her new book, The Leader's Journey. So for anyone listening who is in a leadership position or growing into one, I think you're going to love hearing from Donna. Donna, welcome to the show. Thanks, Camille. It's good to be here. So great to have you. And so as I mentioned, we first met kind of when you were in a different era of your career at a UX design conference, and you spoke about storytelling and and how it intersects with product design. And today you are an executive coach. So I thought maybe could we kick things off by you sharing a little bit of your journey? How did you get to where you are today? It's a it's a good question. And it um, started probably not too long after we first met, I was working as a product strategy consultant at the time. And my focus was to help senior leaders at businesses see the stories in the, not the products that they were creating, but the experiences and potential experiences that customers could have with those products. So if you think about something like the iPhone as a ubiquitous example, it's um, the iPhone, the story of the iPhone, it doesn't have the phone as the hero of that story. It's the the user or the customer who's the hero of that story. And with that phone, it kind of reads like a a marketing strategy almost. Um, but with that phone, you could communicate, you know, around the world like magic. And um, but it, it sounds silly, but it's actually like if if customers aren't thinking that, they're not likely to convert to uh becoming customers in the first place unless they're forced to use your products. And so that um yeah, that was my mission to help senior leaders figure out how to do that so that they could better align their teams and get people excited internally about building successful tech products and then externally in the world about adopting those products. And what was starting to happen is as I was working with folks at more and more successful companies in more senior leadership positions, I I would show up um, either at their company or maybe it would be an offsite we'd be doing and people would start telling me that to be blunt, like 
their products were fine and they didn't really care about their <laughs> their products because you know they had already found product market fit or whatever right. we're a top you know three tech company like our products are not going anywhere right now that's not the issue we're having but instead what they would tell me is how they were having other issues that were more central to their day-to-day and becoming big blockers in them getting work done and making sure that they could continue to launch successful products or keep their products successful. And the issues they would tell me about were, you know, infighting and people not getting along and, um, oh, my head of engineering never listens to me. My team morale is low. And I started hearing these stories over and over and over again, enough that, um, you know, I guess to use my own medicine, (laughs) once you hear the story enough from your customers, you want to pave that road and help them be heroes of their story. And so, um, you know, for me, what really kickstarted this journey is one day someone at a big three tech company, um, very bluntly just posed this elegant question, which is, all right, our customers, they can be heroes. Great. Fine. How do I be a hero? Because I can't do this job if I don't feel like a hero. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to say, oh, it got me thinking, but no, I had a strong reaction, which is get over it. (laughs) You're not the the hero. Stop it. (laughs) You know, their savior complex. Um, But I, I left that retreat that day, just, I couldn't get that question out of my head. How, you know, when you're in senior leadership and you're running the show, whether you run the company, run your organization, um, you do have to feel like a hero or the whole thing breaks and you have to be building teams of heroes or the whole thing breaks. And um, so, yeah, I've spent the last, I for lose count, six years, seven years, really devoting myself to first answering the question of, all right, can leaders be heroes? And if so, how? And then um, now it's my mission to develop heroes, develop leaders into heroes of their own stories so that they can make an impact and lead their businesses and make a difference in the world. So um, yeah, that's what got got me going. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's such an amazing transition in general, you know, to just even hear about how you, you went from this one area of interest, and then shifted your, your career and and your specialty, but also carried over with you a lot of the things that you had already explored, like the same way that you taught people in your previous career about the narrative arc, for example, about understanding, you know, your, your user is a hero. They're going on a journey. They're going from point A to point B and your roles to take them somewhere. It seems now some of that same thinking is like, okay, now how do I help these leaders with their story become this hero and go from point A to point B? Can you tell me a little bit about like about that sort of that storytelling as it relates to the individual's identity, like how we understand ourselves then to be, you know, a hero. Like in my own work, I too use this idea of the narrative arc and you spell it out components of it quite well in your new book as well. When you talk about a protagonist, AKA a hero, that there's a call to action or goals 
and a, a kind of a driving why behind that, those goals and that action. And that ultimately they face some kind of conflict or tension. And then finally, there's some type of resolution. When I teach people that, if they are literally telling a story, <laughs> I mean, to be truthful, it can be kind of hard enough, but it makes sense when it's more literal. You're writing something, you know, you're talking about yourself. Where did you start? What happened? How did you resolve the conflict? But what does that mean when it's about our own identity and our sense of self as a leader? So it it works in a, in a few ways. And, um, you know, the great news is I work with a lot of accomplished leaders who a lot of my practice is founder CEOs and founding executive teams and new executive teams. And um, at the point that you've gotten that far, you probably have a storytelling knack. Either you've worked on storytelling consciously, officially, you've worked with a um, storytelling coach, you know, or a communications expert to help you craft your messages. Um, You might have it naturally ingrained in you. It's something that um, really starts when you're around three years old, that's what, in, in my unofficial science, non-scientific <laughs> diagnoses, I look at my kids and, and my family members and around three years old, that's when they start to get into, and then, and then this happened, and then this happened. So um, it's luckily, it's a skill that we all have, whether we've been practicing it or not. Um, if you've worked in tech, most of my clients do work in in the tech world, not all, but um those who do already have all these storytelling-based tools that they use to create products, whether it's storyboards or, um, or gosh, there's so many. There's user story mapping. There's the type of story mapping that, that I had developed over the years. And so it's a skill that we all have, but what we don't realize is, is that it's so ingrained in us that it is in it is actually how we experience life, like all of life. And so the way we, it works on a a few levels, the way we think of ourselves, who we are, our identity, that is a story and it can, can have a structure to it. If you pull it apart, which I'll get into in a second, um, our greatest, uh, fears have stories where we're going has stories, anything we experience, our relationship with people has stories, our strengths, our kryptonite, everything is a story. And when you can see that story for what it is, you can pull it apart and make sure it's the best story it can be. And so I'll give you an example of how it works on the identity level. I work with a lot of, um, I mean, I think once you get into a certain level of leadership, this is just what happens to to most people, which is I work with a lot of people who are being told to be a certain way 
or feel like they're disappointing people because they're not showing up in a certain way. So it might be a founder CEO who's very loud and everyone's saying, stop talking. You're too loud. (laughs) Be Uh a better listener. (laughs) I hear that all the time. Um, On the flip side, I work with a lot of quiet leaders, super senior, successful executives who show up who are like, uh, okay. Now that I'm really, now that I, you know, I have the seat at the table, everyone's telling me I need to be louder and I'm too mm-hmm. quiet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, how I'm supposed to do this because I'm, I am quiet. Those are stories. I'm too loud. I'm too quiet. And similar to a screenplay in a movie or a speech that you would give, you can pull apart all the plot points and see the story for what it is and find the true story of what makes you amazing and how you got as far as you did in the first place. Because you're doing something right. We just often can't see it because we're always looking for what's wrong. Mm -hmm. And you can re-architect that story to find out what the true story is. So it might be, I'm too, you know, I'm too quiet. I've seen this happen a lot. Turns into, wow, I am the type of leader who's an amazing listener. And everyone on my team feels like they're the center of the universe and feels autonomous and empowered and aligned towards our mission. It's a very different story. Uh The key to this is that you're not making it up. So this is not, um, I always think of I don't know if you, I'm always dating myself when I (laughs) reference this, but if you remember in the um, 80s or 90s on Saturday Night Live in in the United States, the, um, although they all came from, (laughs) all the best of them came from from here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But so um, it was the the fictional self-help character, Stuart Smalley, and he'd sit in front of a mirror and he'd say like, I'm good enough and I'm, you know, smart enough and Doggone it. People love me. It's like, I'm not talking about that. This is not, um, you know, I think in self-help literature, there's this idea of self-narrative and just tell yourself a different story. That's all a bunch of, um, I don't know if I can, should say bad words on this (laughs) this podcast, but it's a bunch of hooey. It doesn't, if it works, works, it's temporary. It doesn't stick. Uh But going out, and you go out and you find out what the real story is. You, you can mine your past, your experiences, your present, um, your dreams, your future. You mine your people system, go out, talk to people, find out how they experience you, what's working, what could be even more amazing. And once you get, you know, I'm still a tech person at heart. I'm still a mad scientist and an architect, which is once you get enough data, you've got all the pieces of an incredible story that you can piece together and find out who you really are. And um, it might sound lofty or cheesy, but we we often don't know who we really are because we're too close to it Mm -hmm. ourselves. But when you find out who you really are, that's when you can, um, you know, to use the being a hero metaphor, I extend it with my executive coaching clients and in the book, which is that's when you can be a superhero. It's a um, cliche in the comics and superhero stories that, you know, when a, when a superhero finds out who they really are, that's when they, you know, get to put their cape on and fight the villains and be really amazing. And they often forget and then they have to be reminded and things change and they want to fight themselves and change themselves, but ultimately they, they find out who they are and they use that and they accomplish incredible things. So um, 
Yeah, that's my uh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's my answer to you, which is why I spent six years, seven years working on this. It's it cool, is though. fascinating, and and it does bring another level. That, like you say, this sort of um, just the way that we might use this term now more commonly of like, oh, rewrite your story, but but really in a, a very practical way. Going back to the examples that you gave there of. So the the leader who says that who they come in thinking, oh, I'm too quiet, and they maybe get to understand this is actually a superpower. It's part of what makes me successful. I can see how this works and and how it operates or how it helps me, you know, do what I need to do and helps my team and so on. But but what about the part where it's like, oh, but people are telling me I do need to speak up more or be you know, louder, more vocal or whatever that is, is there a piece to it as well that is then figuring out maybe that's the, the kryptonite piece or the, like the weakness piece that they do have to work on? How does that sort of enter into that narrative approach? That is a great question. So I'll give you an example because it's surprising who might secretly and on the on the surface we always assume people are doing so well and successful and they're so confident but deep down what i see is it's incredible who might be insecure about how they show up and so um one example i was working with a um a founder ceo of a billion dollar company who came to me saying, I think I need to be louder, <laughs> like too quiet. So I'm not talking like these, you know, tiny little, like the store on the corner, although it happens there too. But mm-hmm. um, this was a billion dollar company where he suddenly was at this new level of leadership where he was like, oh my God, how did I get here? Why am I here? And how do I do this? Mm-hmm. And There's, you know, something to say for feeling the pressure when everyone says, you got to speak up. So he was getting it from, you know, externally. And so he'd work on things. I'll work on my confidence. I'll work on this. And nothing, nothing was, was working. And so what we did in that case, and this is what I do with all my clients, which is, you know, first we unpacked the 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 so so what the 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 why behind needing to speak up and so if you think about a good story every hero has a goal but there's a reason behind that goal it's um i on my last book i remember working with a, a screenwriter who put it the best way which is like there are little goals and big goals so you want to um you want to get the car Okay, the keys to the car. Why? <laughs> Why does that matter? And you know, usually big goals come down to basic human needs. Uh, you know, I want um, uh, autonomy, certainty, mastery. Could be family, shelter, comforts. You know, there are nuances. But in this case, the why behind needing to speak up was it had nothing to do with speaking up. It had to do with, and I hear this all the time from CEOs, um, people across the company weren't working fast enough, mm. which has nothing to do with speaking up. 
it's just what was happening is as the company was doubling in size every year, innovation was slowing, speed to market was slowing. Hmm. They were growing exponentially, but suddenly they were stagnating and they weren't building at the speed that they used to. And they needed to maintain that speed in order to retain their position in the market in order to make investors happy in order to grow the company right. to the to the you know the scale that they needed to sustain the whole thing and so he was convinced that they weren't people weren't working fast enough because they weren't listening to him right and so you know the it's you know, my own personal flaw and failing that i've had all along i knew it basically yeah right it's my it's my fault which the funny thing is usually when you are the head of whether it's a company or an organization it often does come down to you mm-hmm. and this is a you know like it or not you are the reason why things aren't working the way you do it does start with you and um but it's not because you're not loud enough or i'm not this enough i'm not that enough what in this case happened once we went out there and looked at all right what you need to be faster why all right you have certain revenue goals and you're just not meeting them right now okay what's really going on. And what we did is we went on a listening tour and we talked to people around the company and found out what was getting in their way of working as fast as he wanted to. Mainly we were speaking with executives around the company. All right, you're not working fast enough. What's what's going on? And when I do that, it's um to go, everything's a diagram in my head, but if you can imagine... <laughs> There's the story of the person at the center. And now we're looking at stories from everyone around the company. So those are story arcs with their own architecture. So I go out and I find out from people, what are your goals? What are your dreams? Why does that matter to you? That's motivate what, you know, motivates you. Um, what gets you going? What's in your way? That makes stories good too. All stories have conflict and, and challenges. Um, I try to be clear on, how they're doing it not alone and how they're involving my client. If whether again, it's the CEO or the head of an organization, um, the goal is to make sure that they're allied ultimately and aligned and working together towards shared goals. And so once I do that and we get clear on what the full story is, not just the one leader at the center, but the whole organization, Usually the answer presents itself Mm. and my clients know exactly what the real problem is and what they need to do about it. Mm -hmm. And that's when it turns into, um, you know, it goes from like a sad story to a mystery. Oh, and that's the problem. And then it turns into an adventure tale and then they put their cape on and (laughs) they realize, all right, I'm going, I'm going to do this. Um, And, you know, in this case, I hear different stories all the time. In this case, it was, um, it was that he he just wasn't connecting, wasn't connecting with people. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't need to be louder. He actually wasn't listening to people Mm -hmm. and um, he needed to become a better listener. Just no one had ever told him that because they all said, you got to speak more, Loudly, because you're so quiet. On the surface, he was a very, very shy, mild-mannered, kind person. Right. But he never would have known that because it just wasn't on his radar. And once he started connecting with people, listening to people, collaborating with people, 
it shifted everything. Yeah, it shifted that's everything. fascinating. And then with so then he was able to make that shift. Like once he really had a better understanding of how, how he was getting in his own way or what he actually needed to work on, then he was able to go ahead and and actually do that. Yeah, in that case and in all cases, once he was clear on who he really needed to be, then we were able to see who he was currently and compare and contrast that and fill in the gaps if necessary. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if he really had no ability to listen to people, then, okay, we'd work on some listening, active listening skills, which would help. Um, that's rarely the case, usually at the point that someone has founded a company and has had a successful career managing people. They know how to listen. They just don't know. They know how. And so at that point, what we do is we go back into more stories from the past. All right. Tell, you know, tell me about a time when you really did listen to somebody and we find out um, that's when it becomes almost like a tech project of like, all right, well, what were the requirements to make that successful? Oh, well, I trusted them. Okay. Uh (laughs) So you listen when you trust people. All right. And then that becomes a prototype. So again, I'm using more more sort of tech analogies here, but um, that becomes a prototype for what we can create, uh, how we can create those conditions in the future. So, all right, you're struggling with this. Um, you're struggling with your head of sales. They just don't listen to you. But you all want to work faster and meet your goals. And everyone said that they feel like you ignore them <laughs> and bypass them and tell them what to do and they don't like it. So you want to be a better listener? Great. You're head of sales. Do you trust them? Oh, <laughs> you know, so suddenly it becomes a trust project. So, um, you know, as you can see, it's sort of um, things are never as they seem mm-hmm. for us. Like we just have our own versions of the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, I don't know if you've seen that movie Rashomon from uh, the, the 50s, a, a Kira Kurosawa movie from Japan, where everyone has their own version of what happened. And it that's life. Like our job is to find out the truth and, um, and, and amplify it, make it even better. Yeah. I think of it. I'm not familiar with the movie, but that, um, 99 ways to tell a story that, uh, was, was the a, name sounds familiar. It was I a think French it, yeah. book. And then there was also a graphic novel, um, uh, made of it. And I've used it as examples before as well in, in trying to get folks to engage with, storytelling in different ways to understand that stories can be can be can be rewritten can be looked at differently so it's like there's this one simple action that happens like these few steps that that might happen um but then we can see it as a as you sort of alluded to like this might be a mystery it might be an adventure it might be horror it might be comedy and I've done exercises in, in workshops before where folks will write out a, a story about something that happened to them. And it can be like significant to inconsequential. And and then we rewrite it a different way um, to give, to sort of open up that creative way of thinking, what would happen if I flipped this around? What would happen if I emphasized certain points or de-emphasized others? 
And I, it's amazing to me what people can often come up with. I've, you know, people have often taken really personal and important events that were maybe like serious or kind of touchy subjects and then turn them into things that are really laugh out loud, funny or adventurous and heroic. So it's a, it's a, I think just even generally in our lives, useful when we can remember, oh yeah, I could write this in different ways. And that's why I send people, I send my clients to folks like you at some point, which is that it's, um, you know, like in the example I just gave, once my client started having success and really stepping up as CEO of his company, he he learned so much and he grew so much and he ended up adapting his strategy and vision for the company. And he realized one of the big blockers, um, again, not, wasn't that he wasn't talking loud enough, but that a lot of people, not only did they feel like they were being talked at and micromanaged, but they, um, they weren't really clear on what the vision of the the company was, which I get a lot. It's amazing how many, um, well-funded tech companies and startups um, don't have that vision quite uh-huh. set, as set as you would think they do. Uh-huh. And so, you know, once he started having success, um, and this is him, this is this is anyone I work with, I'm just using this as an example, um, he was ready to then repeat things back to people across his company because that was a missing piece. So when it came down to like doing listening tours, for example, of all the different organizations at his company, um, I helped with that. You know, I could help him figure out what he was missing, what he wanted to learn from people and how it would affect the strategy. But when it came down to then presenting a, a vision to his company or presenting a vision to his board or presenting, you know, giving a, a keynote or something at a big industry conference. Uh-huh. Um, that's a whole different, or writing articles or, yeah. <laughs> you know, writing books like that kind of, it's, it's, it's similar and it's on a continuum, but it's such a different thing. I like to think of it as, um, you know, what I help executives do is I have a documentary filmmaking background. So it's very much like, Hey, if you could put a camera on it, what actually has happened and is happening? Mm -hmm. If you could put a camera on it, what could happen? Oh, you're going to be three times the size of your company within five years. Okay, cool. What does that look like? And, you know, I help with the sort of, um, imagining stories on that level but when it comes to telling the stories in a cohesive way that people can understand that's when I always send my clients to folks like you because telling it my god it's so important and there are 99 different ways to tell (laughs) one story and I'm almost seeing it as like a prism here which is like I'll do the first half and then you do the second half (laughs) but like it's um it's so important because let's say we have an impact and you completely transform as a leader, you transform how people work. What, what good is it if you haven't then verbally reflected that back to everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, just knowing it in your heart is great, but then you also still need to tell it. 
Yeah. But I won't help you tell it. <laughs> and I think for a lot of a lot of leaders too, if if you you do know that vision or that that idea, that feeling so intimately, it can feel confounding. Why aren't other people getting this? Why isn't it clear to everybody else? Because you it maybe feels so so right to you, but communicating that, expressing it, getting it out in a way that's going to meet them is a is a kind of a different thing. But yes, thank you for emphasizing that as well, that there is kind of this then other step of how do I get, how do I, how do I get this out of my own kind of brain and body? Um, just going back to this idea as well, of like, oh, you need to be louder. Uh, you know, it's like, well, we can just re-emphasize or you know, turn up the volume on what we're already saying. But maybe the point is not to necessarily in our communications just do it louder, bigger megaphone, but to think, well, maybe there's a different way to tell this story, a different way to communicate these ideas so that it is more effective. Yeah. The solution, well, no, I can't, I can't make blanket statements, but I was gonna say the solution is something like that is almost never to talk more, but, um, but I don't know. I mean, often if that's what we're working on, often the side effect is like you will be talking more because suddenly you're feeling really good and you have energy. But the talking you're doing is going to be in conversation with people, in conversation with your um, with your executive team, in conversation with your board, in conversation with your advisors, your mentors, and teams across the company, and investors. You know, every everybody and shareholders depending on your context it's um it's incredible what happens once you stop spending energy feeling bad about who you are and start harnessing the energy that comes up when you feel good about mm. who you are and the job that you already are doing that's you got you know the adage I'll say the, the old adage like you, whatever got you here can't get you there, won't get you there. It's true to some extent. I mean, that's exactly when when executives come to me for help. All right, I got mm-hmm. this far. Yay. But I'm like really struggling to get to where I need to go now. But, you know, I'm also here to say, well, okay. Yeah, what got you here won't get you there. True. But also what got you here We'll get you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't throw the baby out with the you know bathwater. Like there's a lot of special stuff that exists, and you just need to know how to harness it. And then you often do transform in the way you wanted to in the first place, but it's not in the way you think. Then that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great statement, and I just I think something that so many of us can also take to heart because it is very easy to concentrate on what you think you need to do better or what your weaknesses are, what your perceived weaknesses are. And, and to kind of forget that here's what is already working for you and what did get you here. I'd also, I'd like to go, go back a little bit to this idea of the person who told you that I want to be a hero. I, something I I notice is a bit of this tension between um, you know, I talk to people about empathy, about connecting with their thinking about your audience, um, the same way that, you know, in that conversation that day that that you talked about that kind of brought you here of like that workshop you were giving where, 
you're trying to impress upon them the importance of thinking about their user, their hero. And that is very important. But then I also sometimes hear from people, okay, well, how do I ha- how do I balance that then with my own need to speak up, to contribute? Um, and in, in my work in storytelling too, I often find that even highly successful, accomplished people um, who may be in the public eye have you know, a lot behind them. They still are often hesitant to share their stories, to talk about themselves. Um, and so I feel like I, I, I want people to take both of these things in. Like, please, let's think about your listener, your reader more. But also, yes, we need you in it. We need you to communicate your thoughts and ideas and put your hand up and tell your stories and share who you are. So I don't know, do you have views on on that? Or is this something that you've seen people struggle with where it's like, yes, I personally want to be a hero here, but I also, you know, I want to be a good listener. I want to be empathetic. I want to be, you know, the guide, all of these good things. What, What do you notice? There is so much tension there. And I think with that original executive team where that that one executive asked me, well, how do I be a hero? I mean, my immediate reaction, because this is not the first person to, he's not the, he's the first person to ask me that so bluntly, but I've gotten that question from people a lot previously on a high level business context where they would say, well, what about our business story? And I would say, no one cares about your business story. They care about themselves. (laughs) And it's true. (laughs) Customers don't care. (laughs) But, um, but even with that, you know, on the the business strategy level, I mean, people do care because companies have origin stories, for example. So if your origin story is, yes, we're two dudes in Silicon Valley and we set up a, you know, company in our garage and blah, blah, blah. If that's your origin story, yes, people do care a little bit about that because if they want to see themselves as innovative and iconoclastic and that's how you started your company, maybe they will buy your computers. Be more likely to buy your computers. As long as they still feel like heroes, that story can amplify how they feel. On the individual and team, because all of this that I've been talking about today, it's teams are the same thing. Um, Teams can be a team of heroes and you you have to feel that as a team or the whole thing breaks as well. Um, with this, yeah, one executive, I mean, my reaction was very swift. You, No one cares about you. Your story doesn't matter. Your job as a the boss is to turn everyone else into heroes of their stories. That's how you're going to be successful. That's how, I mean, I remember, you know, I said this, uh, like, so many times, that's how you're going to be successful. That's how you're going to bring them along on your journey. That's how you're going to build successful products, blah, 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 blah. But it does, it does break when you don't feel good at the center because you need energy to do all of that. That's, um, it's a very high pressure thing to, to be the boss. And so in order to make it work, I mean, what I have found is that first you, you do have to feel good inside. And so that's all that stuff we've been talking about, knowing who you are, what makes you special, your superpowers, kryptonite, where you're going, 
with whom and why. When you're clear about that, though, the story, to extend the metaphor, the story doesn't end with you. So if just you feel great, but you're not making an impact, who cares? Mm -hmm. Or if just you feel great and you're not meeting your business goals, who cares? Mm -hmm. Or if just you feel great and you're not having the, making the difference in the world that you want to make, who cares? It, none of it matters. And so the trajectory I take with executives now, especially founders who are such an, a soft, squishy, insecure <laughs> bunch. And I include myself in that too. <laughs> uh, you know, like we're, we're a tough, uh, we're, we're, we're tough on ourselves and it's, it's hard <laughs> um, being the boss of everything and, and putting everything on you. But when you're feeling good, then you have to get out of your shell a little bit out of your bubble and really figure out, all right, what, how do I now turn everyone I work with into heroes of their stories, individual and collective teams and business? And how do we all work collaboratively together. And so it is all about you and it's not all about you. And there is a tension there, but I do think that it starts with you and then it emanates outwards towards everyone you work with, towards your, your immediate team, your broader organization, your business, your customers and, and the world. And all of that matters, but it starts with you. Right. Like you can't just skip over yourself then. Most people do. That's when most, I'd say the number one problem in the business world. And when I say business, also I include nonprofits in this. I work with nonprofits and it's the same, same challenges, which is most businesses I see step over the inner work required to feel clear, confident, and really show up as a clear, confident leader that's going to move your organization forward. Businesses step over that and move into skills territory. So when companies, because that, that company I mentioned that got me on this journey, we were working on leadership skills. It's not that Companies are obsessed with leadership. It's a, right. I don't know, billion dollar industry. I don't know how big the leadership <laughs> development industry is. It's big. People are obsessed with developing leaders, developing leadership. They know it's a problem in most businesses and it has to be done. But the thing is, most leadership development really it exists on the skills level. Mm-hmm. So you throw skills at it. And that's what I was doing with this team. We were throwing skills at their problems. Here, learn how to be better story makers with your products and and maybe tell some stories too when you're giving demos or pitches or whatever. But it was um skills don't solve the the problem. Um superpowers do and and feeling like and superheroes mm-hmm. do. Skills can come later. And you might already have a lot of skills, but skills are not not the solution to everything. So yeah, you gotta it. I don't know. Business is an energy, an energy landscape. You need to have energy to do these jobs and you need to have energy to be brilliant and amazing and inspire everyone you work with and collaborate and go do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's beautiful. Very well said. And, and I'll just, you know, add 
as well. Like I, I noticed throughout your your book, there's a lot of different little exercises for people to try themselves. You've got these little kind of things that they can try out. And there's, you also, a, a lot of it is very reflective. It invites reflection. And you also have a, a bit in there about the importance of taking time to reflect and look back and celebrate and acknowledge and uh, um, progress and the good things that have happened too. And even from my own work in the, you know, writing communication storytelling department is, you know, that's something I encourage leaders to do as well in the first place, because I, you mentioned before how just talking more is rarely the solution. Like, yes, we want to be able to communicate regularly, but if we're just jumping to the writing part, oh, write better. Well, what are your ideas? What, what have you really given most thought to and exploration to and some reflection around to develop those ideas that are deeper and that are significant and meaningful to you and have real impact for change. So I often think what we really need to be doing is just is actually like think thinking more and doing less. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the thinking and exploring in whatever mode works best for you. And um I actually hate writing, which is funny that I've written in two books <laughs> and I really hate it. And I hate um exploring and writing and I hate communicating and writing. However, when um I do it. It does help, but it's not my first, my, my go-to, my go-to is, is, is talking. And so I make sure I have people on call, my, my, my coach and friends and advisors and mentors and colleagues. And so, um, it's the exploring that needs to happen in whatever form works best. I've worked with clients who they like to draw things. I worked with one um, who ran a fitness company and her thing is she would come up with ideas when she was going on runs. Um, I'm not a fitness freak, but I, even I do that. (laughs) I do that as well. And so um, it's a, Whatever your mode is, the important part is that you're exploring, exploring, mm-hmm. exploring, and not committing right away, going deep, wide, deep, playing, and then figuring out what you want to make of it. Yeah, so I think we're saying the same thing. I'm just saying, and whatever mode works for you, great. Yes. It's all sketching and drafting. Wonderful. Absolutely. Yes. I love that for both the, you know, the, the communication aspect, mulling over ideas, and also just work and life in general. (laughs) Well, Donna, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. There's so much good stuff in there. It's been a really fascinating conversation. Um, Where can people find you? So the, um, you know, I feel funny saying this on a, on a podcast to a broad audience, but you can find me in conversation. And so the, you know, the easy uh, answer is you can find me on my website, donnalishow.com. And the more honest answer is find me there, reach out to me. And if you would like to have a conversation about, transforming your leadership so that you're making more of an impact with your business and with the people you work with. Um, let's, let's chat. My, my line is always open. And this is something that I, as a textbook introvert, I love having conversations about superheroes and how to be more super as a leader. So I invite anyone listening to this to reach out. Wonderful. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. This was great. Thanks for listening to the Storytelling with Heart podcast. Want to turn your thoughts into leadership and your ideas into words that make a difference? Find me and discover more free resources at www.camilledeputter.com. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to my email newsletter where I share stories, free tools, and other storytelling guidance. And never forget, your story matters. Thank you.